This is Reverend Rosemary with you this evening, thanking God for the wonderful opportunity that he's given us to be together again tonight for the study of his word. We're going to open with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, oh God, for bringing us together to look into the mirror of your word. The entrance of your word brings light and understanding. And by the working of your grace, we thank you that we continue to walk in your light and in your power. We pray, Father, that we will experience transformation, healing, deliverance, wholeness, as we surrender to the Lordship of your word and the Lordship of your spirit. And we'll be careful, Father, to give you all the praise, the glory, the honor for what you have done and continue to do to glorify your name in us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, tonight's study, the title of the study is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 21 and verse 19, that says, In your patience possess ye your souls. Amen. So this is the title of our study tonight. In your patience, possess your souls. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's start by saying that men, that is mankind, we, each one of us, that we are spirit beings. The real things about men are not his body. When Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 8 and verse 36, he said, him who the son sets free is free indeed. Jesus spoke about the liberation of the spirit man. And so therefore that was not uh, in reference to any kind of physical slavery. Jesus's substitutionary sacrifice gave to man a threefold deliverance. First of all, a spiritual deliverance from the hand of the enemy. Secondly, physical deliverance from things such as lack, poverty, hunger, sickness. Amen. That's part of the physical deliverance that man received. And the third is mental deliverance. That is deliverance from being ruled by the senses. Amen. And we know that we all have five senses. And therefore, men receive this ability to be able to be free from the senses and therefore to rule by his spirit. So man's spirit, which had been a slave since sin entered humanity, is now able to dominate his thinking uh, and his physical actions. And therefore, because we now have this ability 
we are instructed, as, I, as we just read in Luke 21, 19, we are told to possess in our patience, to possess our soul. Uh, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, this one verse here, Luke 21, 19, which puts it this way. That's the Amplified Version. It says, by your patient endurance, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will gain your souls. Amen. By your patient endurance, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we see that this doesn't have anything to do with our working on our own. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this very important, if I say crucial aspect, working this crucial aspect of our salvation, which is to possess our soul. For instance, as Christians, our sense of peace does not depend on our outward circumstances, but on our inward thoughts. If we think on the negative things of this world, we are going to be anxious and depressed because the things of this world are depressing and they create anxiety. But if we think on the positive things of God and we put our mind on heavenly things and think about what God has given us, amen, we are going to be blessed. So it really all depends on where we put our minds. Um, so it's really crucial for us to keep a constant check on where our mind is. For instance, um, if we look into the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse three, and uh, we are told in that verse, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Amen. Hallelujah. Thou, that is God, will keep him, that is the person, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusts in thee. So it, we see that if we really had our mind stayed, meaning focused, remaining on the awesome things that, that God has done for us, and also the things that he has prepared for us, it would be impossible for us to really be depressed and defeated, regardless of our present situation. There would be perfect peace. Uh, in John 14, we read Jesus's words. And um, I'm going to read from John 14, chapter 14, verses one, uh, two, and three. Okay, John 14, verses one, two, three. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. For where I am, there ye may be also. Amen. So what was Jesus saying here? Um, he was basically telling his disciples not to worry, not to get worried, not to get upset. Uh, that, you know, the important thing, the most important thing is to trust in him. Uh, and he was you know, practically saying that he has everything under control and that he's working things out for them. So in other words, uh, like we say, you know, in uh, current language, chill, just relax, amen? I've got, I've got your back, but you have to trust in me. So that is also what Paul was talking about when he wrote, um, and obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the following scriptures, which we are going to look at. Uh, first of all, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter two and verse nine, and then we'll turn to the book of Romans chapter eight. So let's turn first to 1 Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. This verse reads, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Amen. So we are being told here that our natural ears or no eyes uh, have been able to see, amen, uh, or understand the things which God has prepared for them that love him. In other words, there are such great things in the spirit realm that uh, these things cannot be comprehended from a natural standpoint. It has to be by the spirit of God. Uh, because actually the verses later on go on to say, but God has revealed these things to us by, our, by his spirit. But um, let's go ahead and connect that to Romans chapter eight and verse 18. Um, uh, and this verse reads, Romans 8, verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. Now, uh, how are these scriptures here uh, connected to our topic tonight? Um, well, we see that Again, I said that Paul was talking about the fact that we are to rely on, on the Lord, amen, that we are not to get worried, uh, to just trust in him because he has everything under control. He has, we, we have to keep our mind on him. And the reason why I believe the Holy Spirit gave us these uh, verses is because the Holy Spirit um, wanted us to know about the future and the glories that he has planned for us, uh, especially when we are facing um, negative circumstances, amen. And when we have such promises uh, to look forward to, we can choose to think on these things. And that is why, um, we are instructed in Philippians chapter four and verse eight uh, 
about the things that we must focus on in order to have peace and remain in peace. Amen. So we will go ahead and turn to that scripture, uh, Philippians chapter four and verse eight. And yes, we are looking at several scriptures. I mean, there will be many scriptures in tonight's study, but this is what the Bible study is about. Amen. Studying the word of God, um, connecting scripture with scripture. So let's go ahead and turn now to Philippians chapter four and verse eight. I'm reading from the King James Version, but after that, I will go back and read that particular passage from the Amplified Version. Amen. Um, Let's go ahead and read now. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen. So we have a list here, amen, uh, of, of things that we, um, that is the believer must focus on in order to have peace and remain in peace. Let me, as I said, go ahead and read that from the Amplified Version, because it gives us somewhat of a more expanded um, um, translation of uh, what it is that we are to focus on. Um, The Amplified Version reads this way. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right, and confirm by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute. If there be any excellence, if there be anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things, center your mind on them, and implant them in your heart. Amen. So notice that we are told here what to think about, but not only the what, but how and when. And the, 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 the when is continually. There is no time where we should not be thinking, meditating on these things. Hallelujah. And to allow them, and it explains to us, to allow them to, to be implanted on our heart. We, you know, in, in, um, in this way, we make the word of God the center of our focus, amen. We center our mind on them. And so, you know, we can therefore think about the glorious future that God has reserved for us. And the fact that, this life is just for a brief moment compared to eternity. And as we begin to think on these things, it's going to bring emotional peace and joy to us. And we will find our peace in who we are in Christ, in what he has done for us. And we won't focus uh, on our natural or physical circumstances. Amen. Note that this, 
discipline of guarding our heart by keeping good thoughts uh, must be done continually. Why? Because we have an enemy um, who, who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And therefore, it will benefit us to do what we are told, um, instructed to do in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, that tells us to guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it will flow the issues of our life. Amen. So it's essential for us to guard our heart, and it says with all diligence. So we can be slack. It, it's not wishy-washy. Today, uh, you know, we are guarding, and then tomorrow we let down our guard, you know, and we allow the enemy to have a field day with us and, you know, in, invade our, our thoughts. No, we are to guard this precious thing that God has given us, which is his word. We are to put the word in our heart and guard it with all diligence, meaning that we are to do everything in our power to keep it there because the enemy will try any way that he possibly can to try and steal the word of God from our heart. And we are told that out of this deposit that is in our heart will flow the issues of our life. So no wonder the Bible tells us in Proverbs 23 and verse 7 that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, the person becomes an end product of what he keeps in his heart. Amen. Therefore, our mind, and the, that is the things that we think about, um, are going to end up controlling our starting with our emotions and down the path is going, you know, our whole life will be affected. You know, for example, if someone were to give us um, some horrible news, um, you know, without a doubt, we would have a physical and emotional response. Um, you know, we are programmed that way. Our emotions kick in based on the information that we receive. And uh, so even if what we are told was a, a lie, a total lie, but we didn't know it, we would still experience the emotions that go along with how we think about what was said, about the information that we received. Because at that point, we had believed, we had accepted that information as being the truth. Uh, and if as, again, this is horrible news, most likely we would experience a reaction of grief, of sorrow, and maybe anger, you know, uh, at people or at even sometimes people blame God for letting such, you know, terrible things happen. But if we knew that this news was a lie, uh, eventually when we learn this, we would be angry with the person who was behind uh, spreading such, uh, such a lie. So, but you see, regardless of whether we hear the truth or a lie, our emotions are always connected with the information that we receive. That is why it is so important for us to guard our heart and only allow the truth in so that our emotions 
will be balanced. They will flow out of the truth of the word of God. And Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. So everything we will receive from God's word will be good news. That is why we call the, the, the word of God the good news. Hallelujah. On the other hand, the enemy of our soul wants to get the best of us. And he wants to cause us to, to fail. So our responsibility, and also it's the only way that we will win, is to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. The faith that we place in the word of God and order our lives based on the, the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit who, who is in the word of God. Jesus says, uh, the word that I speak to you is spirit and is life. Amen. So the Holy Spirit and the word work together. And the Bible reveals that, you know, God's calling uh, to do just about anything, to bring glory to his name, um, to fulfill our destiny, will attract the enemy's attention. Amen. Um, Satan is the arch enemy of God uh, and our enemy as well. Anyone who is working uh, for God will be um, subject to his attacks. And so Jesus tells us in John chapter 16 and verse 33, that in this world, we will have tribulations, but to be of good cheer for he has overcome the world. Amen. Uh, so we learned that, yes, we will have trials. We will be tempted. We will have tribulations, but we are not to allow ourselves Amen. To become, um, you know, discouraged or give up um, because of these trials. Jesus says, be of good cheer for I have overcome. So, in fact, um, we will have storms. And Jesus says, I'm telling you all that so that you might have peace. In other words, receive this information that I'm giving you and let it generate peace in your heart, hallelujah, because I have already gone ahead and I have overcome the world for you, not for me, for you, I have overcome the world, amen. And so, um, yes, we will have storms, but we need to discipline ourselves. In other words, we are to discipline our thoughts, our mouth, our actions at all times. Amen. And especially in times of adversity. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And he encouraged him, verses 1 and 3. And he tells him to be strong in the grace that is in Christ and to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, amen. So whenever we, we, we join the body of Christ, whenever we come into this union with Christ, we become born again, we are automatically uh, drafted, if I can use that term, into the army of God, hallelujah. Um, we become a soldier 
of Jesus Christ. And when we hear the word soldier, the things that actually come to mind, I believe, are uh, things such as perseverance, uh, determination, fortitude, and consistency. A soldier cannot can never be wishy-washy. Uh, a, a soldier must learn how to persevere or be determined. Even the training to become a soldier, if you are not truly determined to go through this the boot camp and whatever else military training that you must receive, you will give up even before the training session is ended. So again, we have to approach life from a standpoint where you know we are go- we are warriors, we are soldiers, hallelujah. We have perseverance, we have fortitude, and we are going to be consistent in what we are doing. Because you see, we have an enemy who is consistent and he looks ahead down the road, um, way ahead, and he starts planning. And he has an objective and he plans it very carefully. So we cannot just be, subject to one of his attacks that comes to us suddenly and think that um, this just, it's an accident. No, it's not an accident. It was well-planned. It might have taken us by surprise, but Satan had planned it way ahead. But on the other hand, we have God who's never surprised. He's never taken by surprise. He knows the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. And by his spirit, he's able to prepare us. He's able to show us the way out of Satan's um, tricks and schemes and everything that he plans, hallelujah. So that's why we need to be consistent. We need to be determined. Our choices and actions have to do with character and willingness to reach our potential, to accomplish God's purposes in our lives and master our destiny. We have, have to have that as an objective. If not, the battle gets so fierce that we will be tempted to quit. You know, in God, we have the tools and the weapons we need to stand and overcome every adversity. Um, We we have diligence. We, We need diligence. And as we show ourselves willing to work that out, the Holy Spirit will help us. Um, And we need to be disciplined to do what is needful so that we can experience the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives. So we find that discipline is the precursor to winning. Amen. Every battle, we must be disciplined. Hallelujah. Um, It is the key factor uh, to our victory, but the choice is ours. Just because we are born again doesn't automatically mean that we have discipline. This is something that we are going to have to build in our lives. Amen. Um, And then there is one fact that we must always keep in mind, and it is that conflict always precedes the, 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 the victory or the conquest. Amen. The enemy will never sit by and allow us to just, you know, be a partakers of these wonderful things that God has for us and, you know, not put up a fight. And so conflict always precedes the conquest. And so therefore there will be 
um, oftentimes we'll, we will be tested and sometimes severely tested before we can make it to the top. And oftentimes the greatest battles come with the greatest blessing. So the more is at, that is at stake, the more the enemy is going to fight. So we must be ready and willing to put up that, the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. And it's a good fight because be, before the fight has started, God has already declared it to be good. In other words, he has won in our favor. He has overcome, like he said in John 16, 33, for us. Amen. So all we have to do is to follow his instructions. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful thing to enter into battle and know that you're already, you know, being, you know, declared the victor of that, of that battle, of that war. So um, in looking at the, the, the subject of guarding our soul, again, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is the emotions that those, um, the, the information that the mind receives, the, the way they are affected. And emotional reactions vary depending on how we perceive um, the information that was given to us. And everyone in some way has been pre-programmed to respond a certain way. Therefore, reactions are different because we are emotionally different. We think differently and emotions follow thought. So if we begin controlling the way we think based on the word of God, then we can begin to control the way we feel. Amen. Not forget, as I just said, emotions follow thought. So controlling the information that we feed ourselves in will determine the way we feel. For example, we can learn to control our emotion of anger by looking at things differently. We all need to learn that um, when people are angry at us, it's not a physical or flesh, uh, flesh and blood that we are fighting, but rather we are fighting demonic spirits. We are told that um, actually in the book of Ephesians, based on Ephesians chapter six and verse 12, we are told that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, amen? Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, meaning against people, human beings, amen, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, amen. So pretty much we are being told here that the, the warfare that we encounter, it's because Satan uses people to get to us. So when we are attacked, we should realize that it's really Satan who's attacking us and not that particular person or people. Uh, something else that we must recognize, um, what really makes us angry, really, um, is what the Bible calls pride. Amen. Um, we get angry 
oftentimes because of our own self-centeredness. You see, we are told in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs uh, chapter 13 uh, and verse 10. Uh, Let's go ahead and turn there. Um, Proverbs 13 and verse 10 says that only by pride comes contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Amen. Only by pride cometh contention. So you see, if one person um, is acting a certain way, but we have our mind focused on the Lord and we don't take any offense, then there is no contention. That person is walking in the flesh that's between them and God. We just don't receive what they are doing. But when we allow ourselves, our pride to be offended, to, when we, we feel hurt, then um, the Bible tells us that uh, the issue here is because we are concerned about our own selfish desires. And oftentimes, you know, the, we are concerned about promoting ourselves, about looking good, about, you know, um, you know, it's all about us. And the thing is that if we loved other people more than we loved ourselves, then we would not have such a problems with our emotions. God's word changes the way we think when we allow it to do so. And ultimately, that changes our reactions. It changes us in the emotional realm. And this is what to possess our soul is all about. Amen. Which it's, and when we speak about our soul, we speak about our mind, our emotions, and our will. Those are the three parts of our, of our soul. It's our mind, that is our intellect, where we process information. Uh, we have our emotions, amen, and our will. So if God tells us to possess our soul, it means that we actually have the ability to do so. We have the power to tell our mind what to think. And when temptation or pressure shows up, we have what it takes to cast it out and tell our mind what God has declared. And this is why we are told in Romans, in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse two, that we are not to be conformed to this world, but that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God, hallelujah. And so we don't, we just don't get new information about God's thoughts and his will for us when we, when we take in the word of God. What we do is we get actually the life of the word infused into our being. So it's not just new information. It's the life that is behind this information that becomes infused into our being and gives us the power to think like God and to act like him. Amen. An encounter with the word of God brings change in our life. It takes us from one level of glory to another level of glory. We are being transformed 
into the image of Christ. Hallelujah. And uh, we're going to look at this further as we continue in this study. And I have to also say at this point that this is such an extensive subject that this, this study here on possessing our soul uh, will probably be a two-part uh, study. So please uh, join us again next week as we continue on that theme. Amen. So we'll look further as we continue into this study about the, the renewing of the mind. Um, but bottom line, we must not allow the enemy um, that is our flesh. Uh, we must not allow it to disconnect us from the blessings that God has for us by paying attention to the voice of the flesh. Amen. And what do I mean by that? Well, our flesh has a voice, whether we realize that or not. Uh, and the vo this voice clearly expresses itself in, in different ways, in many ways. For example, well, I shouldn't say in many ways. Pretty much it all has to do with the self, amen? What I call the unholy trinity. It's all about us. That's the way the flesh speaks. For example, uh, it's always about what we think or you know, what I think or what I feel what I wish, what I want. Um, you know, we are always ready to give our own opinion. Uh, you know, in a conversation, uh, we could say, well, if you ask me, uh, although we may not have been asked uh, or, or, you know, even invited into certain um, situations and conversations, but we always have, the I always has, wants to step forward and, uh, um, you know, just be, be always on, on the forefront, amen. And, um, you know, it's, um, you know, like I, I feel, I feel tired, uh, therefore I can't do these things, uh, or I have a busy schedule, I, 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 you know, I can't forgive this person um, because of how, you know, he or she has hurt me. Uh, I have had it with this person or this thing. You know, so all these things are the, the way the, the, the self expresses itself. And um, th this voice is infiltrating our mind through, um, in, in addition to that, through present challenges, the enemy makes sure to bring in situations to exacerbate whatever it is that we are feeling. And uh, we draw our um, reactions and the way we, we, we carry on based on uh, negative experiences from the past. Um, and all of that is because the enemy is looking to endeavoring to make us fearful and to create uh, problems in our lives. You know, his plan is to cause us to fail always. He always has a plan of failure. And so we have to really allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, uh, you know, what to do in every situation, amen. Because as I said, he knows the end from the beginning, praise God. And so we have to walk in wisdom. Uh, you know, um, we should not buy into the lies of the enemy and allow our lack of restraint 
or our fear to paralyze and make us ineffective, which is what the enemy wants. And that ineffectiveness uh, can happen, you know, both spiritually and in our natural life if we let him. So um, if we allow him to do that to us, then we end up robbing ourselves and the, the, the good seeds that we had planted in our life um, of the blessings that God has in store for us. And we are instructed in Galatians chapter five and verse one to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Amen. So notice that Christ has made us free. Amen. Galatians 5 and verse 1. So we are to stand fast in this liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And then the Lord adds, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Praise God. So we were in bondage. Christ has set us free. And the Lord is saying, walk in that freedom and do not go back. Allow the enemy to bring you back in bondage. So it's our responsibility. You know, he says, stand fast. God is not going to stand fast for us. We have to make that decision. We have the ability. We have the grace. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To go ahead and take that stand and walk in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us. Amen. Uh, it must be maintained because you know what? After all, to give us this freedom, it cost God something. It cost him the life of Jesus. And we are going to have to fight to take hold of what has already been done for us. And not only that, that we take hold of it, we have to learn how to maintain it. Amen. Maintaining it is a fight of its own. Hallelujah. So we know truly there is nothing that we need that God has not already provided. And there are certain levels of blessing that will come, that we will come into when certain bondages are broken off in our lives. And Jesus is not Lord in an area of our life um, if we are walking in any kind of darkness. So the, in that area, there, there will not be any liberty. You know, we are told that in 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is Lord, there is liberty. In other words, where he is Lord, indeed, where he has free course, we then experience freedom. And one thing that we have to realize in this life, there is no such thing as a neutral ground. It's only we're fooling ourselves if we, if we think that there is such a thing as a neutral ground. Um, and to also think that if we are in that neutral ground that we are in control, because truly we are not. Uh, the enemy is when we, you know, is when we walk in the flesh. Amen. Because when we walk in the flesh, we, we are now, we have entered into Satan's domain. His domain is the kingdom of darkness. Though we have been redeemed from that kingdom and translated in the kingdom of God's dear son, which is the kingdom of light. But if we allow negative things, if we allow sin, to come into our camp, then we willingly choose to allow the enemy to affect our lives because now we have turned over that aspect of our lives to him. So 
we have to be very clear cut on this, that it's either good or evil. Amen. There is no neutral ground. So we have to learn how to determine which one is ruling in our life at any given time. Again, God cannot work where there is sin or corruption because that's the realm of darkness. And this is where, what the enemy wants, because this is when he's, he prospers at, in, in his deeds, in his objectives against us. So what must we do? We have to purpose to get rid of the spots, get rid of the wrinkles, so the blessings of God can flow in our lives. You know, we are told that uh, in Ephesians chapter five, that the Lord is coming back and uh, he's looking for, he's coming back for a spotless church. And our success in the here and now depends on our choosing to getting rid of everything that is not of him, of God in our lives. There are certain things that we need to put in place before we experience the fullness of the blessing of God. Hallelujah. So truly, this is a call for us to fight. In your patience, possess your soul, the Bible tells us. That is a statement that speaks of fighting, of warfare. Hallelujah. Um, you know, the word of God tells us that as believers, we are more than conquerors. Um, so when we, whenever we hear the word conquer uh, or you're a conqueror, it means that there's been a fight. Where there's been total peace, there is no such thing as, you know, victory or conquer. You know, there's nothing because there was no battle. There was no fight. And therefore, um, you know, before we can consistently enjoy the victory that the Bible tells us that we have in Christ, that we are more than conquerors, amen, we must therefore be heading in the right direction. And so the direction pretty much is the path that we are to follow if we are going to walk in that victory. Amen. So this is what we are told to do. And I'm going, going to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Let us lay aside, it says, every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Amen. That passage is loaded. We are going to develop that along during this, these two sessions that we are going to have. Amen. But right now, let us uh, just focus on that last phrase. It says, consider him 
amen, Jesus, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind, amen. You see, as long as we live in mortal bodies, our mind is the place where our fight with Satan will be either won or it will be lost. So our mind, therefore, is the battlefield. And the battle, really, with, um, for our spirit is over. Amen? For the, the, the born-again person, that battle is over. And uh, why? Because it has already been fought. It has already been won. And um, by Jesus, obviously, and as believers, we have been spiritually reborn into the image of God. So even though Satan is a spirit, he has lost all authority in that realm. And Satan has to operate in this natural realm um, through the soul of man, in the soulish realm. And even in this realm, he has no authority. But he can try to deceive us. Because why? Because deception is all that he has. That doesn't mean that he's just going to pack up and go home because he knows that he's been stripped of his authority. He's still going to try to come after us. He's, he's going to still try to come and to, to steal, to kill and to destroy. Uh, try to gain control of our mind by bombarding us with destructive thoughts and putting pressure on our emotions. And therefore, when we are aware of that, we can be successful against him in, in, in battle by preparing ourselves and knowing where that battle is going to take place, amen, and what weapons that, we, that he's going to use so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit to use weapons. You know, the, the Bible says that we have weapons that are mighty through God, hallelujah. And we are going to look at this uh, later on in this study, praise God. So the fight will take place in our mind and the enemy's strategy is to, defe to de defeat by deceit. He has to use deceit because as we said, he doesn't have the power to defeat us any other way. He does not have the power to win outright. Um, in fact, he has no power of his own at all. He's been stripped of it. And when Jesus arose from the dead and took from the enemy the keys of hell and death. Satan lost it all. Amen. Uh, we looked at that in the last, uh, the two previous studies. Um, we looked at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, and Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For lack of time, we won't look at these scriptures, but you can go in your own Bible, you know, in your own study and review these verses where we, are, we see that Satan was stripped of totally of his authority. Amen. So the only way that he can win the battle uh, in our soul is by tricking us into defeating ourselves. He must somehow deceive us to set aside a life of righteousness and victory by misleading us to step again into sin and into bondage. 
Uh, one thing that we have to look at, our set, you know, it's very subtle the way he conducts his warfare. Um, you know, sin never starts out as a big thing. It begins small and then it grows. So the enemy starts by planting a little seed in our mind by causing us to wonder and to question God's word just a little. It doesn't sound like a big deal at first, but what happens is that by receiving that seed of rebellion, we set a law in motion, which we have no power to stop. We don't know how to stop it if we receive that seed of rebellion. And the word of God calls it lasciviousness. It's an old English word that we hardly use nowadays. Amen. But that, this is always his first point of attack. And it's a crucial part of the enemy's battle plan. And, you know, it is worth noting that the word of God lists lasciviousness among other sins, such as murder, adultery, stealing, um, and, and a whole long list. Amen. There are several scriptures uh, about this, but I, I've only picked one of them, one passage, which is from the book of Mark, Mark chapter 7, verses 20 to 23. And we're going to read this. Um, yes, Mark 7, verse 20. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, that which comes out of the man that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Amen. Another passage that you could read uh, in your own personal time is Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. And the actual meaning when, of this word lasciviousness speaks of uh, no restraint or something that is unrestrained. Therefore, it speaks of a lack of control and a lack of discipline. And it is the devil's first and foremost point of attack on the lives of believers. Because if he can conquer us here, then he's got it made. He knows that if we are going to live a godly life, we'll have to restrain the desires and appetites of our flesh. And we'll have to put our spirit in charge and make our flesh yield to, to, to our spirit. And our flesh will have to come under the authority of the Holy Spirit within us. 
And so the enemy's goal is to, to stop us from doing that. So through lasciviousness or lack of restraints, he begins applying pressure to our flesh, causing its appetites to grow stronger. And all that we can hear is what we think, what we feel, and what we want. It's no longer about God, but about us. So he starts trying to talk to us into letting go our restraint here and there, a little here, a little there. Not much at first, but just a little now and again until suddenly, before we know it, our flesh begins to take control and starts dominating our spirit. And so we find ourselves doing things uh, that we really don't want to, to do, giving into the weaknesses of the flesh. For example, our prayer life, um, study of the word and meditation time, which is so crucial to our well-being, becomes compromised when we put other things first, which we have decided at this point because we are under the influence of the enemy to call these things urgent activities. And so we relinquish what is more important for us, you know, to second place or even sometimes to last place in our agenda. Let's remember that our natural life is a product of what goes on in the spirit realm. And so when we don't get around to giving God the first place, then the rest of our life is out of order. The enemy knows that. But the question is, do we know that? And if we do, why do we allow ourselves to be misled like that by him? You know, and another thing, for example, is the desire for food, which is very powerful and is the physical basis for more human failure and lack of restraint than any other item. We find in scripture, for example, that Satan used it successfully to tempt Adam and Eve. The very first temptation had to do with food, the, the, the fruit, amen? Um, then he tried to use it against Jesus by coming to him when he was hungry by telling him to turn stones into bread. So you see, the enemy has, I mean, he is so deceitful that truly it takes the spirit of God in us and our willingness to be on the alert in order to catch him and not have the enemy uh, have his way in our lives. Because whatever our weakness, uh, the signs of undisciplined behavior are always the same. Little by little, we find ourselves beginning to lose control. Uh, we begin eating too much, eating things that we know not to eat. Uh, we find ourselves drinking or some people gossiping now and then. Uh, we want to stop it, but somehow we just feel totally unable. Why? It's because the restraints have been removed and the flesh has taken charge. And that's how lasciviousness works. And the end is, a is as devastating as any of the other, quote unquote, bigger sins, as we call them, like adultery, murder, etc. And so 
the truth is that sin is sin for God. Sin is all the same. The devil has just packaged it different in different ways. And, you know, it might be uncomfortable for some of us to hear this, but the root cause of, of it all is our selfishness. Every sin begins in the same way. Amen. Let's look at, um, I'm going to just go over a little bit, maybe a, an, an extra five minutes this evening, because we have to finish this portion of the study so that we can continue to flow next week. Uh, let's go ahead and turn to James chapter one, verses 13 to 15. James third, chapter one, verses 13 through 15. It says, let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Now notice here that, you know, it says, when a man is tempted, it's not God. It's not God's fault. God is not in that picture. It's the person who's allowed himself to be drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And the end of it is, first of all, you have sin, and then the end of it is death, because that's exactly what Satan is, bring, is, is, is uh, planning. So it begins with me. Again, the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I, is the big me that has become predominant in our thinking, either through either fear or pride, or sometimes you know, a combination of the two. Amen. And, um, you know, the enemy keeps pushing us further and further if we allow him until we are totally given over to this thing. And again, the ultimate goal of the enemy is to use that lack of restraint to bring us into total slavery to sin and a life of failure. And his plan is to pressure us into yielding to the weakness of our flesh until that weakness begins to dominate us. And if he can do that, he can defeat us. Amen. And so we have to remember that every little, you know, all the big sins that as we label them big, they had their small beginnings. Amen. So the enemy uses this spiritual uh, the spiritual principle that I mentioned earlier, such as um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, which is taken from Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 3. Well, he uses this spiritual principle to his advantage. So we ought to learn to use them to our advantage by using the word of God. Because again, everything starts with a thought lasciviousness works in two ways. In, on one hand, it causes our flesh to be unrestrained, but at the same time, it causes us to restrain the godly prompting of our spirit. So it opens up to us up to everything that is negative and then restrains us to do what is right. 
it lets our flesh run wild while putting our spirit in bondage and prevents us from following the leading or the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the truth of the matter is that we don't mean to rebel against God. No, no, you know, no real Christian will say, I want to rebel against God. I want to be disobedient, you know, but we fail to restrain the thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. And that, that is where the enemy is getting us. So we simply allow those thoughts to flow through our mind. And before we know it, they've crippled our faith and they've made us weak. And so we are told this is what to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 6. Amen. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. Verse six, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we see here in verse five that we are to take every thought captive and to bring it to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. And so the word of God who is Jesus, who became flesh. Amen. When we take the word in, the living Jesus is inside of us, working in us, hallelujah, with his Holy Spirit. And we are able to bring our thoughts in line with the word of God, hallelujah. And we are able then to walk in obedience to Jesus. So the first thing we must do to counter the devil's attack is to make a quality decision. And, and it's one from which there is no turning back because any, if at any point we turn back, the enemy is always there waiting, amen? We have to make the decision that we are going to believe the word of God. We are going to personalize it. And then we are going to literally reprogram our mind with the word of God. We cannot walk around as a new man. We've been recreated. Hallelujah. We are new men with a new nature. We cannot go around walking with an old mind programmed by the world because those two are opposites. The world, the, the old man lusts after the things of the world, whereas the new man wants, desires the things of the spirit. Amen. So we are to retrain our mind and renew it. And we do it with the word of God. And the most important 
or if, if I can say the one weapon that God has given the church is his spirit empowered word. The living word of the spirit is the truth. And wherever we put the word of God, the light of God shines and the light dispels the darkness. So if we are going to live in victory, the victory of the cross that Jesus have give, brought us, amen, that he's given us, we have to be willing to walk in the light of the word and not our, allow ourselves to fall prey to the lies of the enemy. We don't so much fall in sin as we are seduced by it because every sin is cloaked with some measure of deception. But as those lies are uncovered and destroyed through the word of God that we keep putting in, then our thought processes are freed from illusions and we discover just the, the perfection, the truth that is in Christ and the hope of the glory to which he has called us, amen. We are going to continue to develop this subject, as I said. So please join us next week for the continuation of this study. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you for the confidence that by your grace, we can truly crucify the flesh and yield ourselves to you wholeheartedly and completely. We thank you that you're faithful, O oh Lord God, to complete in us what you have started, what you have started. So Father, we pray that you will sensitize us, O oh Lord, to your will, sensitize us to your way and to your voice, that we may be quick to hear, quick to understand, quick to follow the prompting of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, for new strength, new grace to put you first in all things so that we will possess our soul for the glory of your holy name and for our own rejoicing. Father, we give you all glory, all honor, and all praise for what you have done and are yet to do in us and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, now and ever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that this study has been a blessing to you and we invite you to join us again next Wednesday at the same time. God bless you and have a good night. To stop conference recording, press one. To return to this session is no longer being recorded.